Welcome to your Sunday Reader. Today we'll be discussing the readings for the 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time, 2010. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they all saw this, they began grumbling, saying, He's gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have exhorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save what was lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hello and welcome to your Sunday Reader. I'm Father Brian, and I am here to reinstate our podcast this week. Um, Dawn couldn't be with me. We've been having trouble coordinating our schedules, and I keep getting a lot of people asking me, when is the podcast going to be back? When's the podcast going to be back? So I thought I'll put it back this week, even though I'm going to be solo and Dawn couldn't be here. And hopefully Dawn and I will find a way to coordinate our schedules so that we can record the podcast together. And we're also working on getting a few other guests involved in the podcast as well. So stay tuned for all of those exciting things that we've got coming. But in the meantime, let's talk about the readings that we've heard uh, for this week. We have the Gospel reading of Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus was a tax collector who was short. I can sympathize with people who are short, um, being only five to myself. Actually, I always tell people that I'm not short, that everybody else is just abnormally tall. So I actually don't sympathize with people being short. I understand that there's a lot of abnormally tall people in the world, though. And anyway, because there's all these abnormally tall people in the world, he's unable to see Christ. And it's interesting what he does here. I just want to talk about this little action a little bit, because I think there's a lot of theological reflecting that we can do on this little action. He runs and he climbs a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus. I think that's kind of an interesting image that we get there, um, mainly because in the gospel later on, what we'll see is Jesus being mounted to a tree. We'll see him being crucified. And it's kind of this uh, reinforcing of the symbol that if you don't go to the cross first, or if you're, uh, you don't go to the cross, you're not going to be able to see God for who he really is. You're not going to be able to truly experience um, the divine. Of course, for all of us, we're told that if we're going to follow Christ, that we need to take up our cross and follow him daily. And that is something that I think a lot of times we tend to forget. We remember that we need to follow him daily part, but we always tend to neglect that taking up our cross part, because that's always the, the hard thing to do. Nobody wants to take up their cross. They want the Christian way of life to be easy and nice, and we can all love one another. And, um, you know, of course, that's what heaven will be, and that's the vision that we have. But we learn that the only way you can get there to see that vision, the only way you can be part of that vision to see God face to face is 
um, Zacchaeus is looking to do when he looks at Jesus is to take up that cross. For Zacchaeus, he's going up into the tree. So I think there's a little bit of uh, symbolism there that we can look at and say, hmm, you know, we're, when we're on the ground, when we're not willing to uh, take up our cross, our vision becomes blinded by everybody else around us, all those abnormally tall people. Um, blind our vision or, or block us at least impede us from seeing Christ face to face that sometimes we need to be lifted up and as it will be in the case of Jesus that lifting up can be a painful lifting up but in order to see things clearly and so that really is um, a neat little piece in this uh, gospel passage I think for, for reflecting upon is how is it that we need to um, pull ourselves out of the crowd of everyday life to remove ourselves from the crowd and go off into the distance or go up into the tree to be taken up in order to truly see God. When he is up there, Jesus looks up and sees him face to face and tells him, come down for I must stay at your house today. Now, this is the second phase in kind of this whole spiritual theological reflection that we're doing here that Christ tells us once we've removed ourselves from the, the crowd and can see him face to face, the next thing that we have to do is welcome him into our house. Christ says, I need a place to stay. I need a place to be. I need your house specifically. And really, this is an invitation that each one of us should experience at some point in our Christian lives, is the invitation to welcome Christ into our life, into our house. Now, the thing is, when the God who is light, who is perfection, comes into our house, one of the things that happens is his light shines upon us and our sinfulness becomes painfully clear. You know, G.K. Chesterton gives a great image of talking about light shining through a windshield. And he said, you know, when a windshield is subject to sunlight, all of a sudden, you can see all the little imperfections in the windshield. They become very apparent. Whereas when the sun isn't shining directly on the windshield, sometimes it's easy just to overlook those imperfections and you can see a little more clearly. Well, the same thing happens for us in the spiritual life. When the light of God shines upon us, all of a sudden our imperfections become painfully obvious. And not only to ourselves, or at least hopefully to ourselves, but also probably to other people. And we see that, of course, everybody here knows that Zacchaeus is a sinner and they're grumbling and complaining. Now, the good news for us in the Christian experience is that if we're going to grow in holiness, we have to recognize our own sinfulness. So the fact that this light is shining on us and exposing our imperfections, yes, it can be a little embarrassing Yes, it can be humiliating, and yes, we probably don't want it done in public. But on the flip side of that is the fact that the only way we can be healed is if we first recognize our sinfulness and that we have a God of mercy who is willing to heal us. You know, all the saints are people who recognize that they are sinners. That, that's one of the great marks of almost every saint, is there's someone who recognizes that they are a great sinner and that they're in need of God's mercy, of God's healing. You know, so often we tend to only focus on the saints for the good things they've done and we kind of look at them as models of perfection and in many ways models of perfection that we'll never reach. I, I think when we do that we make a mistake theologically and we, we miss 
part of what makes the saints such powerful witnesses to us. The saints are sinners just like us. And that's an important starting point for us when we talk about the saints and look at their lives. Because when we realize that, then we can go forward and say, they're sinners just like me. And yet, when the light of God came upon them, they recognized their sinfulness and asked for forgiveness and were able to convert their lives and live it to these ideals of the Christian life. And that's what we're called to. And that's exactly what's going on in this gospel passage today. And then, of course, upon realizing his sinfulness, Zacchaeus realizes, oh, gee, I need to make reparation for my sin. And so he says, you know, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. If I have exhorted anything from anyone, I'll repay it four times over. Now, I think that we're supposed to take this not as a one-time thing on the part of Zacchaeus, but as a whole shift in his attitude. And because of that, we hear Jesus say, today salvation has come to this house. You know, as I talk about this whole thing, I hope one of the things that comes to mind to people is the sacrament of reconciliation, because this is exactly how that sacrament works. We pull ourselves out of the crowd, and we go somewhere where we can see Christ face to face, and we see Christ entering into our lives, entering into our homes, or, or into our homes, into our house, and shedding his light upon us where our imperfections become painfully obvious. And we recognize our need for repentance and reparation. And that's really what penance is about. It's not about punishment. It's about making reparation and righting the wrongs in our lives and putting ourselves on the right path again. And again, that's what's going on right here. And so Zacchaeus's penance, if you will, is giving half of his possessions and repaying anyone four times over for any wrong that they've done. That's the whole movement in the sacrament of penance right there. And so there's a lot of connections in this reading to the sacrament of penance. And then at the very end of the sacrament and penance of penance, we hear our sins are forgiven. And we hear that in a similar tone right here as Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. Well, friends, if our sins are forgiven, salvation has come to us. And that's what's going on here. And Jesus says, this man too is a descendant of Abraham. He's been restored to that dignity given to Abraham. And finally, Jesus ends this whole exhortation talking about how the Son of Man has come to seek and save what was lost. And that's an important attitude for us to have, is to remember that as people who have sinned, as people who have been lost, Jesus seeks us out. He calls us to himself. And if we pay attention to that call, if we transform our lives, seek reconciliation, we too can be forgiven of our sins. We can have salvation brought to our own house. So I think these are some wonderful ways of looking at this gospel passage, as looking at it in terms of the spiritual movements within our own lives and the spiritual movements of the sacrament of penance. And hopefully, maybe this gospel passage will encourage us to use that sacrament. It's at our disposal almost all the time. And it's very easy to do it if you haven't done it in a while. Simply just ask a priest, say, would you hear my confession? Almost any priest, actually I shouldn't say almost, any priest should say yes to that request. And it's an important thing. And it's a very powerful sacrament. It can be intimidating, I know, because we have to admit our sinfulness. That light that shines upon us is going to expose all of our weaknesses, all of our imperfections. But the grace that we get from it more than makes up from that because at the end we're healed. Those perfect imperfections are wiped away. We no longer have cause for shame. 
And so I encourage you to really make use of that sacrament if you're able to this week. And I encourage you to join us next week on your Sunday Reader. Have a good week. God bless.